Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent, The Lowell Ledger, and Modern History Press. Today, I will be chatting with author John Scott, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of Summers at the Lake at the end of the interview. John is a professor emeritus of English whose retirement books span the gamut from histories of minor league baseball and hockey to retellings of traditional tales and guides to breweries. Hello, John. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited. So, John is speaking directly from the Munising Public School Library. He's only like 500 feet from Lake Superior. Is that right? That is right. And it's a cold Lake Superior. Oh, wow. Okay. So, John, do you consider yourself a part-time youper? I am a part-time youper. I used to be a Lower Peninsula Michigander many years ago, but I moved away 50 years ago, but I keep coming back to the UP every summer. Well, tell us a little bit about this little cabin in big woods that this whole book is kind of wrapped around. That's a beautiful theme. I love it. Well, many, many, many years ago, we were in uh, camping at a little lake uh, in the Upper Peninsula. We went for a walk on a windy day and found another lake with a little house for sale. And we'd always wanted Lake Cabin up in the Upper Peninsula. And so we, we said yes right away. I didn't even hear. And we've been coming up here uh, when my wife was alive, when my children were younger. And now I'm the old hermit of the woods. And you like it. You're loving it, right? Oh, I do. Well, can you guess what got me hooked on your book? No, tell me. Well, it's page 104, and it's called The Big Swim. Oh, yes. <laughs> because, believe it or not, I believe that you swam all the way to Munising. Well, what happened was I measured off a strip of the little lake, 50 meters, and every day I would swim back and forth and then log the mileage so that symbolically I swam to Munising. Well, but I, I thought you really swam to No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, creeks and marshes and everything along the way if I did. <laughs> Yeah. So why did you decide to write this book of Michigan moments and memories in an essay format rather than a memoir? Well, it goes back to my childhood. My father was a newspaper man who had a mm -hmm. daily column and he used to like write little pieces about the kids growing up. Also little descriptive mood pieces about the lake I went to as a child, about the, the animals, the flowers, the progress of the seasons. So I just started writing journal essays that were essays like the kind he wrote 50, 60 years ago. And then thanks to Victor uh, of, of Modern History Press, uh, we pulled them together into a book 
about the progress of the seasons. The essays are from different seasons, but they're arranged from in the winter when I'm way back in Albuquerque, wishing I could be at the lake, right through to when I leave in September, late September. So what kind of tools did you use to bring back these memories other than the essays that you had already written? Well, uh, I, I have a good memory still. I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I can remember the old days. And some of the memories were of my childhood growing up on Vancouver Island in Western Canada when we had no electricity, uh, when we used to take mail up to the uh, train station, they would deliver it to the store five miles away they would bring the groceries back to us that afternoon on a boat came down the lake. So I told things like that. Other things I just I looked at and I meditated about. Uh, I have an essay there about a shelf of little peepsakes that people have brought us, um, visitors, a little Winnebago matchbook toy. And that got me thinking about things that happened when those people arrived, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's also very meditative and reflective and peaceful. So, and I feel like I'm reading it like I feel like I'm there with you. Well, thank you very much. I, I do find, especially as I get older, I, that I enjoy quiet, peaceful times, just looking and listening, thinking about the simple things in nature around the cabin like chopping wood, yes, cleaning it, the cabin. That is awesome. Well, it's a simple job. I, uh, when I have company, I do it several times a year, but when I'm alone, I do it once or twice. Uh, the, the chopping of the wood, I feel like Robert Frost in his poems about chopping wood. It just feels so good when you hit the ax on the wood just right and, and everything splits apart. And of course, I love having uh, real fireplaces, so I need to chop the wood. Then you describe certain moments and incidents that normally would probably a person make feel bad, but tell me, what was it like when that lady snubbed you when you told her about your simple pleasures experiences and she was a fancy lady, you were sitting? Well, I, I didn't because as soon as she left, I, I was I met her in the laundromat. I'm going to read from that later. And then I went home and was very happy at the lake. I didn't need a Winnebago that was 40 feet long or whatever it was. I was happy to take the car home. The dogs and I sat on the, uh, on the shore, just looked around and enjoyed the sights and the sounds. So which famous authors writing about UP and from the UP inspired you the most? Well, it's amazing. I was just talking to somebody about that today. There's a really rich tradition of literature up in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, people may know the movie of The Anatomy of a Murder, which was written by the man who was actually one of the judges in the trial in Marquette. Mm -hmm. but, but I also like simple stories about uh, people that are going around to places that I go around to. And so something 
important in the novel may happen, but I say, oh, they're sitting in my seat when I go there for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Then in chapter six, you describe this travel to Grand Marais. Yes. And that's very I, nice. It's almost like tra travel tips. You also incorporate the breweries. Yes, as a matter of fact, I went there today. And when you go down the hill, excuse me, it looked just like a uh, little New England town. And uh, beside it is a huge, huge pickle barrel. Uh, that is a museum. There was an old comic strip long ago in which tiny little people lived in little pickle barrels. And the author of that comic strip got a summer home made, which is a giant sized replica of what little people in this comic strip did. Then I went to the bar, which is a bar that was frequented uh, by the a well known UP author, um, uh, Jim Harrison. And I drove on the way to the library to, to meet with you. I drove past the ship at coast. I drove past a place where there's a field of stumps from the logging era, uh, oh, 120, 30 years ago. It was just a lovely, quiet drive, no traffic, just things to look at, enjoy, and think about. And is there a simple way to get to Grand Marais? Yes, you take Highway 28 and then Highway 77. So it didn't take me long to get there. Uh, I took longer going back because there were views of the lake. But all of the places I described that I travel to are uh, really accessible. They make great day trips. There is one I might tell you. Uh, there's a junkyard art place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lake and land, and uh, the man who built it was a, a, a welder who was spending his winters looking at the bottom of a glass in a bar. He decided to do something else, and he made these big statues out of scrap industrial material. That there's a, a tribute to uh, a certain governor who was not very popular in Michigan recently, but he liked her. Uh, there were there were pictures of, of uh, strange, weird animals, just crazy and interesting things. You can drive through there for free. You can leave a donation if you want, but he doesn't expect it. So natural things to see, towns to see. Uh, there are places that I walk, a marsh trail that I just walk through, and I see turtles and snakes and chipmunks. It's, it's very quiet at this time of year, especially in the summer. It gets a little wild. There were a million visitors around the area here in, uh, in uh, Munising, Michigan last year to see the pictured rocks. And tell us about the wild blueberries when you describe picking the first blueberries of the season. And there's beautiful, there's a beautiful photo. Who was your photographer? I'll tell you about my photographer. It's a friend of the families that we first met when we used to camp here over 40 years ago. Uh, she was a member of the Forest Service and a zoologist. She's retired. And when, uh, when the publisher suggested he'd like because I said, I'll get her to, uh, to read the book and suggest different pictures. But blueberries, the first thing is, if you've got a favorite place, you don't tell anybody else where no. it is. <laughs> See, and I'm asking you here on a podcast. No. Well, in fact, I've heard of a friend of mine that used to take his 
his visitors blueberry picking, but he blindfolded them when they got in the car. <laughs> you don't take dogs with you either. I used to do that, and they'd come charging through the bushes and knock the tail over, but just getting the blueberries, and then I freeze them and take them back to New Mexico in the winter, and mm -hmm. on Christmas Day, I make wild blueberry muffins, and I think of Michigan. So what is the photographer's name? I her didn't name, catch Her name is Deb LeBlanc. And uh, she's going to be, we're going to do a couple of readings and she's going to bring a slideshow to go along with, with my words too. And she does a wonderful job. She's very sensitive to nature. And so many of the images are just the very nice little images. So out of these essays or prose, poems. Which one is your favorite? Well, I'm going to read one after to you. Some of the nostalgic pieces when my wife was alive and the kids were younger uh, make me feel very uh, melancholy. Others are, uh, for example, in the wintertime, I find myself daydreaming about being back here. And so I play contrasts between the sound of the wind in the trees here at night versus the sirens going down the main street of Albuquerque. And I start thinking, I'll be there in five weeks, four weeks, three weeks, etc. I like those. And I like the little ones about birds, loons, uh, herons. And one time, uh, I heard a very scary noise in the woods. There was nobody up there. It was late September. And it sounded like a Wendigo, which is a Ojibwa you know, cannibal monster. I thought, oh my goodness, there's a spirit out there or one of the neighbors has gone loco. And so I locked all the doors and everything and brought the dogs inside. And I happened to have a bird book and I was thumbing through it just to relax. And I discovered it was a little owl that makes a noise uh, that's mournful and sometimes barks like coyotes. So all of these different bird stories enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed doing. Are you ever really scared out there in that little cabin in the big woods? I think you described coyotes and even wolves. Well, I've never seen wolves. I've heard coyotes, okay. but I respect, and there are bears, but they have their territory. I have mine and I don't invade their territory. And when you don't do that, you coexist quite well. Okay, and do you keep a truck up there? My husband wants to know. Oh, I, uh, occasionally I've had fly, but usually I drive up there. But the drive up there, I know the best breakfast places to stop along the way. I know the best rest areas for the dog. And, when I cross the Missouri River, I say I've got two days to go. When I cross the Mississippi River, I say it's a day and a half to go. So the trip is fun, actually. And um, when I go for breakfast, here's a tip if you're in a small town. When I go in, I look for a table that seems to have a bunch of old guys coming for morning coffee. And I sit behind them. And I just listen, and it's great to hear the local gossip. Yeah, I, I wrote about this in here. You, you find out, you know, whose lousy husband left his wife, and and uh, whether the high school basketball coach should be uh, fired, and which politician is good. Uh, I've heard politicians from all uh, 
parties and walks of life being described as wonderful or jerk. So, and so I enjoy that, uh, getting a sense of local areas all the way across the country, but just sitting quietly and listening. That's a nice tip. I do that all the time. Yes, you know? yes. It's a good tip, very good tip. What were some of the challenges in writing this book and how long did it take you to put it all together? Well, I wrote as kind of journal entries uh, over five or six years, and I collected some of my father's writings uh, about um, the years when I was a child. And then uh, after I talked to uh, Victor Volkman of Modern History Press, uh, we talked about my gathering them and giving them a shape. And then I, then I added different ones as new memories came up complemented the ones that were already there. So what do you feel sets you apart from other authors in this genre? I, I think that there are so many wonderful writers, but for me, the important thing is I try to share what is both a personal experience at the lake, but an experience that other people who have been to lakes over the years the way I have will recognize and say, oh yes, my lake was somewhere else. But I remember the time we went blueberry picking and the dog knocked our pail over. Or yes, I know what it's like to hear a loon calling out at night. So it was both very personal, but I hope uh, something that was will bring back memories for people who have lived that kind of life at Lake too. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Well, one thing I've learned is that 82 years old, uh, I'm becoming my father. As, oh. I, as I read his columns about the sea and fishing and the lake and walking through the woods, I realized that long after he died, I collected his columns, that long after he died, he was becoming my teacher and that I was learning to write, not academic prose, which I'd done all my life as a professor, but I was learning to write the simple way that he thought was the best way to write. What do you feel you did right in writing this book? Well, I felt two things. I felt that I was paying a tribute to the memory of my father. Uh, but the other thing was, I felt that I was exploring a new way of writing. I'd, as you mentioned, I'd done guidebooks to craft breweries in different parts of the country, and I'd written about minor league sports. Uh, there's a story there. And I'd written uh, academic stuff that nobody read, but I had to do it. <laughs> but uh, I just really felt that I was discovering a new way of seeing and a new way of using words for myself. And so what is the funniest or most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Well, when, I talked, when I've talked to children, I did a little book of children's stories, uh, a child asked, and this is evidently a fairly common experience, how much money do you make uh, writing books? And I said to him, actually there were parents there, but I was addressing it to the parents. I said, when you see a book and the author's name 
is bigger than the title of the book, you know he's going to the bank with wheelbarrow fulls of cash. But when the author's name is small, he might be able to buy some new books or some craft beer, but he doesn't need a wheelbarrow to go to the bank. I once got a, a royalty check for $7.37. That's a nice number. Well, it was like a plane, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I spent it on, on a deluxe coffee. <laughs> Good. Tell us a little bit about the bookstore in Munising. Where you buy your books? Oh, I, this is in 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 Marquette. Which oh, in is Marquette. The, Sorry. The, the larger town. It's called Snowbound Books, and I discovered it shortly after it opened in the eighties. And I love the fact it's in a, a little house just at the edge of the main part of town. Well, it's a beer. It was a house converted. You walk through. It's like a secondhand and new bookstore. So whenever I go there, and my daughter sometimes comes with me, uh, we need uh, stronger arms to carry the books back to the car. They have, I got a lot of my Jim Harrison books that I like there, a lot of other books about the UP that I've read. My daughter likes cookbooks, and she's, she's found some out-of-the-way uh, cookbooks, uh, unusual cookbooks, and every once in a while, when I walk in, there's something right on the stand, the entry that I buy. I bought a book about the story of Superman, not his biography, but about how it was created. And I used to love Superman as a oh, kid. Yeah. So that was very interesting. It's just a wonderful little store. And if I miss going there at least twice a year, I feel the summer is lacking something. Also, tell us about your trip to the grocery store. That's a major challenge, right? Well, it, uh, it is. I mean, you're, when you go to town, the nearest town is where I am now. It's 25 miles away. And I remember one time I'd gone to town and come back and, and I was making a, I think I was making a pie and I'd forgotten to buy pie shells. And these people were coming and I had to make pie, uh, blueberry pie, as a matter of fact, for, for dinner. And I called them and said, don't come for another hour. And I raced well above the speed limit into town. I got a, a crust, came home, made the blueberry pie, and then they all came over. So it's, it, it's not as difficult as it was when I was a kid when we didn't have a car at the lake and we used to have to send a letter up to the store and have the delivered but you do now may i do now make a list i could twice make sure uh, that when i go to the store i get everything i need how about your dock you call it a sitting dock do you have a kayak or a canoe i have a canoe beside it and i have an old love seat a wooden love seat that we bought uh, years ago and in the late in the afternoon i call it research I'm working on a new beer book. I sit and ha I have my swim. And before dinner, I sit on the dock and I see the birds going by, the bald eagles. I see the loons occasionally. There'll be a fisherman going by with his friend in a boat, chatting quietly. They don't know I can hear them, but I can. And one time, uh, the, the 
twin girls who lived a couple of doors down, uh, they're now growing up and have children of their own, were on a raft and they didn't realize how voices carried. They were about 13 or 14 and they were comparing notes about all the boys in their school. So <laughs> that was funny too. Inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you have done differently with this book, if anything? I'd have revised it a few more times and fine-tuned it, tuned it. But I mean, you, and I'd have proofread it again. I've proofread it five or six times, but I see what I want to see, not what I type there. Uh, I don't know. I might have talked more about people because there are some really special people I've got to know up here. But mm -hmm. in fact, if I ever do a sequel, I want to talk about uh, there's a couple of writer friends I have, uh, the fellow that's done wonderful carpentry work for me who grew up here and raised his children here. And I'd like to talk to him about what it's like in the winter. My neighbors have some very interesting stories. Some of them have been at the cabins since the 1950s. And so I'd like to have done more about people, but I was so pleased about talking about the non-human life that the people got left behind this time well in the sequel right well uh, so what do i call it revenge at summers of the lake or <laughs> roman numeral two actually if i do another one i'll call use that old expression the lake is calling and i must go <laughs> no <laughs> what is next for john in 2022 well i am working on a book uh called you ale trails and there's been a wonderful growth of craft breweries in northern Michigan there's 30 of them and I, I really enjoy visiting the breweries which are like little clubhouses they're as a sociologist called them they're third places not home not work but people meet there some of them don't have television so people will talk to each other mm -hmm. local musicians local art really good different types of craft beer. So as I say, there's 30 breweries in the UP. So over the next month, I'll be making little overnight trips to the distant places and visiting two or three. So that's the schedule. And I'm going to try and finish a book I'm writing about one of my childhood heroes, Arzen. Oh, Arzen and the Apes. I'm, I'm interested in uh, being a... a Next English professor, I'm rereading the books that I loved at 10 years old, but rereading them with a new, uh, new awareness of what a book written at the beginning of the 20th century was like. All righty. Can you read to us, John? I would love to. I have a, a piece called Simple Pleasures. And it's uh, something I wrote after I uh, met the lady in the Winnebago. Um, she asked me, she said, what do you do? And she did that after I told her I spent extended summers at a little cabin in the big woods. I lead a simple life. I rake and I row. And when the weather's bad, I read and I write. Oh, she responded, apparently quite unimpressed. As she finished folding her laundry, she told me that she and her husband were headed to Sault Ste. Marie, where they booked a tour on a boat to go through the locks. Early next week, they planned to visit the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn in the Lower Peninsula, 
across southern Ontario where they booked a helicopter tour over the falls. She said goodbye, gathered her basket of laundry, and walked to a large motorhome that was too big to park in the lot in front of the laundromat. Later that afternoon, as I sat on the dock facing a warm breeze that was just enough to keep flies and mosquitoes from landing, I thought about my morning conversation and about my simple life at the cabin and its great joys. Rising before dawn one morning and watching the pale yellow moon sinking toward the western tree line, its reflection casting a dappled pathway across the water to the dock. Lighting the morning fire with kindling and starter pieces that had warmed me when I chopped yesterday afternoon, and then watching the dancing flames as I sipped my coffee. Hearing the raucous cry of a sandhill crane in the distance as I slipped my canoe into the water and paddled leisurely across the mirror-calm lake, spotting two bald eagles, one perched in a very tall, thin hemlock, looking regally and haughtily down at me, and the other flying across the bow of my canoe. It was the first time I'd ever seen two of the majestic birds at the lake at the same time. Back at the cabin, working on a writing project, hectic life in a large southwestern city had given me neither the time nor the energy to complete. Enjoying lunch on the dock, a grilled cheese sandwich made with finished sourdough bread that had been baked a few dozen miles away in the village of Canary. After an afternoon nap, I believe somebody should write a book called The Joy of Napping, it was time for routine chores, raking, making the grounds around the cabin tidy, but not naturally neat, spotting the season's first lady slipper, straightening out the shed, which often looks like Fibber McKee's closet, some people may remember that, and chopping more kindling for the next cold morning. Heading up to the cabin for a late, simple dinner, followed by an hour or two of reading, Danny and the Boys by Robert Trevor. That's the pen name of the author of Anatomy of Murder. I knew that I would never trade the simple pleasures of life at the little cabin in the big woods for any number of cross-country expeditions in a very large state-of-the-art motorhome. Thank you. And now the giveaway. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway of Summers at the Lake? Yes, I would be happy to send uh, an autographed copy of the book uh, to the first person who writes me at jstott, that's J as in John, S as in Sam, is in Tom, O, double T as in Tom, at U as in University, Alberta, dot ca that's j stott at u alberta dot ca that's ca as in canada and uh put in the subject line podcast giveaway and uh, if you want me to say something special in the dedication let me know that and i'll be uh, happy to send it out uh, as soon as i make my next trip from the little cabin in the big woods to the big town community all right, and now parting shots from each one of us. John, you first, you are my guest. I wish that everybody could find 
little cabin in the big woods and enjoy it, the simple things about it, not just the natural world, but the people who like simple places like this, that they could enjoy it too. And my parting shots are buy indie, read indie, and write indie, and why not explore small presses like Modern History Press to tell your story. Read your local newspaper for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much.